Now is the time and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree by offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel the number one master's granting public college in the South. The Citadel. Online. On your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online. Let's move on to something fun. We got an amazing treat for you today. Okay, now can we rewire it, please, so I can go have my muffin? I haven't had my muffin yet. Gary Hoffman. Well, I don't know what the internet is talking about because you are born. Shannon Farron. Oh, thank you, lady. There's a French version of this show, and with me today are the two hosts. Gary and Shannon. Very cool people. Very cool. This is going to be nuts. God be with us. Can we go one day? Without talking about that. Well, can you go one day without doing that? No, right? I don't know why you have to not talk about it. He's an introvert. You'll have to excuse him. He's having his alone time. With somebody else. Number two. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I was just telling Handel I was going to watch seven minutes of that debate. And? And I watched the whole damn thing because it was so good. They led with some of the good stuff. I mean, when you open the debate, knowing that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are going to use Michael Bloomberg as their Donald Trump proxy and immediately go after him. She came out firing on all cylinders, Elizabeth Warren did. And how about that skin? She has great skin. I mean, zero sun damage. It's porcelain. It's just all so unexplainable. (laughs) It's such a not thing I saw. That was I saw everything. That caught my mind. I was I, fixated on people's teeth. Ooh, I will. Oh, and, teeth and ears. Teeth the, and oh my god, that's the okay. But I didn't see the skin thing. The teeth. Bernie Sanders loses the teeth debate. No, Michael Bloomberg loses the teeth debate. I didn't know Bernie where those Sanders were. Is, and Michael Bloomberg was hard to see the teeth because the lips were over, but you knew right. it was a mess and charred. Joe Biden on his right ear had yeah. one hair that was about three yeah. quarters of an inch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just off the back, off the bottom lobe. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren had the same lower teeth, too. Like, where they were kind of just coming out at ya, Coming out at ya. Aggressive. Aggressive lower mandible. And then my husband, I think, texted me that uh, Amy Klobuchar needs some white strips. I think she was a smoker I, at some point in her life. I think she was fourth in inches to crying on that stage. It was so uncomfortable when when Pete went after her about and and everyone went after her about not knowing the name of Mexico's president. The odd part about it is that she was so close to crying tears of frustration. It was awkward. She tried to come back from that by I don't know if you saw this when when uh, the woman was asked when the moderator was asking her the question or was setting up the question. Amy Klobuchar went to her notepad on her little podium and wrote down Lopez Obrador. Right. So that when she says, okay, let me answer this question first by saying uh, hello to President. And then she looks down at her notes. President Lopez Obrador. 
And I know a lot about Mexico and Mexican trade agreements and blah, blah, blah. I also like how she tried to spin it against Pete by saying, what are you calling me dumb? Like, are you attacking a woman? Is that what you're doing? Oh, women are all dumb. It was like the worst tactic. Uh, Okay, so we'll go through and play some of the sound bites to lead off. And we'll do this sort of in order, I suppose. Um, Elizabeth Warren, like you said, right after... The introductions, she goes after Mayor Bloomberg. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. And everyone's like, oh, damn, this is good. This might be good. Yeah. Horse-faced lesbians. Horse-faced. Fat broads and horse-faced <laughs> lesbians. We'll, we'll keep that one. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll keep that one for a while. Um, <laughs> the issue came up about whether or not Mayor Bloomberg had been uh, was going to allow women who had signed nondisclosure agreements with him after settlements if he would allow them to speak. And it was an interesting back and forth between the two of them because it lasts about a minute and a half. And Elizabeth Warren, I'll tell you the word that I came up with after I saw this exchange. We have a very few non-disclosure agreements. How, how many Let is Let me that? finish. How many is that? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. Bad line. And let me just put, yeah. And let me put, there's a be, agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet. And that's up to them. They sign those agreements, and we'll live with it. So wait, when you say it is up to I just want to be clear. Some is how many? And when you you say they signed them, and they wanted them, if they wish now to speak out and tell their side of the story about what it is they allege, that's now okay with you? You're releasing them on television tonight? Senator? No. Is that right? Senator, the company and somebody else, in this case, a man or a woman, or could be more than that, they decided when they made an agreement that they wanted to keep it quiet for everybody's interest. They signed the agreements, and that's what we're going to live with. I'm sorry. No, the question is, are the women bound by being muzzled by you? And you could release them from that immediately. Because understand, this is not just a question of the mayor's character. This is also a question about electability. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that Elizabeth Warren came across as presidential in that exchange, but she came across as prosecutorial. Absolutely. She came across as somebody who could debate the president. Yeah. I I mean, if... If Michael Bloomberg, who we thought would be a perfect guy to debate the president, both New Yorkers, both very brash, both business people could go toe to toe with him kind of guy. If he couldn't handle Elizabeth Warren last night and make no mistake about it, he couldn't. She had she won every round of that bout. Uh, If he can't handle her, how is he going to handle the president? Is his debating skills are his debating skills? Going to improve that much? No. I don't think so. No, because he's got $400 bazillion to spend, and he spent zero on preparing for the debate, it sounded like. Those are things that I could have come up with against him for debate preparation and said, you're going to have to have a clear, concise answer to these questions. Right. How do you not know you're going to be hit with the women? Do you not read your own press? Is no one else reading all your clippings? You know, I just don't know how you're not ready for that. And the, I think and, and, and another word he used was 
it was consensual about the NDAs. Right. And I didn't like him using that word. That was another word you stay away from if you're having problems in the women department. Suggesting that it was just jokes that they didn't like. Right. Or that it was consensual were the two phrases that just absolutely destroyed him. And that's in the first 10 minutes of the debate. All he had to say was when you are head of a business and you're as successful as I am, you have to protect yourself out of an abundance of caution. You have to protect yourself with NDAs. And kings of uh, titans of industry will tell you that in any industry. You know what I mean? There were so many ways around it that I could have given him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and he didn't have those avenues to go down. Was, I, I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. There was a weird technical thing that they were doing last night that I seemed that, that seemed to me different than what other networks had done in their coverage. They did more group shots of people where the, where one person would be responding to a question and you would see either three or four or maybe the entire stage. That's so annoying and so belittling to have to stand there as and former vice president, current raise senator, your like, hand. and raise your like hand. Like you're a fourth grader. It's, it's, and the thing is, they would all raise their hands all the time. It if, makes me uncomfortable when Dan Patrick calls on people. And those are just, you know, radio people. <laughs> They're radio It's not the like former weird. vice president of the United States that has to raise his hand. A couple of highlights that um, uh, Bloomberg was completely out of his league, right? I mean, Bloomberg oh, just yeah. had zero ability to debate. He thought he had a couple of zingers in there. Um, for example, this one about whether or not he could release his tax returns. Mayor Bloomberg, your campaign has said that you would eventually release your tax records yes. when it comes to transparency. But people are already voting now. Why should Democratic voters have to wait? It just takes us a long time. Unfortunately or fortunately, oh, can I comment on that? fortunately, I, I make a lot of money. And we do business all around the world, and we are preparing it. To t- the, the, the number no. of pages will probably be thousands of pages. I can't go to TurboTax, <laughs> but I put out my tax return. Okay, that's a nice slight to people who actually use TurboTax for their taxes, I guess. I think he thought he was being funny, and he was putting down everybody yeah. who uses TurboTax. And to her credit, Amy Klobuchar picked up on that right. and immediately responded, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my husband in the front row who does use TurboTax to do our tax. Unfortunately for Amy Klobuchar, this is the end. She was unsteady all night. She was unnerved. I mean, she just looked nervous. She looked shaky. She looked just not ready for this kind of stage. Weird that she went after Pete Buttigieg, only that he seems like the, the I don't want to say nicest. I, he doesn't seem like he's got a lot to attack. He seemed and- so condescending to me. Very condescending, but calm. I mean, yeah. calm through well, all of it. Part of it was like, you're being irrational, and I am so calm. Right. I'm showing how much of a crazy broad you are. Are know, you going to cry? I don't know if you know this, but I am a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah, he and came I wrote a paper in high school. So condescending, and I don't think that works in your favor. <laughs> I love the line where he's like, oh, I like Bernie before. Well, I was into Bernie before it was cool. What? <laughs> Who says that? All right, we'll talk more about this when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the <laughs> iHeartRadio app. I mean, I'm a big fan of dropping a bomb on people, right? <laughs> but uh, that was a that was a big one. At the uh, at the bottom of the hour, the COVID nineteen update. We'll talk about oh, coronavirus, oh. Uh, but we've been talking about the debate last night in Las Vegas. 
ahead of the Nevada Pri- uh, Nevada caucuses coming up on Saturday. And Michael Bloomberg, I guess, as a saving grace, isn't even on the ballot in Nevada. He's just trying to get ready for Super Tuesday. He uh, he's he's going to be done. I think, uh, you know, who else is going to be done? Joe Biden. Joe Biden didn't speak for the first uh, 35 minutes of this thing. <laughs> now, I will say one of the notes that I took last night while I was watching it was it looked like he was being more assertive in his answers. And, and the first number one. Yes. And number two, <laughs> number two, he had no math shown. He just came out with like just talking points. Yes. And nothing that was organically created and and not connected necessarily to what the conversation was about now the thing about it though was that it felt like he had a good he had 30 seconds if he started speaking he was coherent for about 30 seconds and then then you saw a glitch and you were like analysis he does this thing where (laughs) it was westworld his eyes close and he goes yeah and And then he's got a reboot that skip and then it was all downhill from there. Right. And also, he wants to join into things that have nothing to do with him with yeah. totally irrelevant contributions. Like when Amy Klobuchar was called on for not knowing the president of Mexico, he's like raising his hand. He's like, can I talk? I, I mean, I met the man. Right. It's like, that's not the point, and Joe. And he says, and I met the guy before him and the guy before him, and the guy before him, but doesn't name them. Right. Which is a safe way to get through that same conversation, but. Uh, Blake, give me the computer here. Uh, New York Post headline was Black and Bloom. And I had a picture of Michael Bloomberg with black eye and face ta- uh, face bandages. The New York Daily News said Bloom goes the dynamite in that he was just torn apart. It was classic Democrats, too. Like they have a guy who's surging, who is getting a bunch of attention for being able to take on the president and they just eat their own. One line that I thought he he did that landed, it would have been better in a general audience as opposed to one that's just crowded with Bernie people. But one line that he said that landed uh, was this one, was this one. Believe in democratic socialism for working people, not billionaires, health care for all, educational opportunity for all. Thank you, Mayor country we have the best known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses what i miss here it's a good line it makes perfect sense it forces bernie sanders to to answer the question how do you mr man of the people have three houses and tell other people how to live their lives i like the way sanders spun that though when he said that there's socialism for the rich yes and about how there are all sorts of ways for the rich to get their money back and 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 all of it i i mean he laid it out pretty well but that was a good spin on that um he wh- just comes across bernie comes across is so angry yeah so angry and and a in a weird physical manifestation of that i mean the shaking of the hand above his head the 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 way that he's just and my daughter came in about i don't know three quarters of the way through the debate and sat there and watched for 30 seconds in the middle of one of his red face and the spittle and the teeth and then she says (laughs) what's wrong with his hair yeah because as he gets deeper into the debate that stuff just goes away i mean it's flying off of his head yeah Yeah, and that's why uh, Buttigieg seems so calm, too, as he was like the only calm person up there. Everyone else was yelling the whole time. uh, It was just what a 
What a cast of characters. I mean, how much did the president love that thing start to finish? I was because surprised. I came away thinking there's no way in hell. There's no way in hell he loses. I was surprised that the only comment that he had after the debate was about Michael Bloomberg's performance and how bad it was. And because he had plenty of opportunity, there's plenty of uh, fodder there for everything. I, I want to say this, though. We talked about how Elizabeth Warren went after uh, went after Bloomberg right away. Fat broads and horse faced lesbians. In the event, if this were to happen, if she gets the nomination and she's up against Donald Trump in three debates or two debates or however many debates that they do. The the skill that she showed last night is completely upended by the fact that he would interrupt her. And he's, you know, these guys played by the rules for the most part in terms of not interrupting somebody with like, yeah, well, you're Pocahontas. Yeah, well, that's a lie. Yeah, well, that's not true. And he would do that. Donald Trump would do that and throw her off her game, I think. Well, I don't know about that because she seemed pretty damn good and with teeth, too. I mean, Hillary Clinton wasn't, was was almost polite compared to to Elizabeth Warren when you looked at her debating. But you mentioned um, you mentioned Pete Buttigieg seeming condescending. Yes. I thought that Elizabeth Warren was condescending, especially when she talked specifically about uh, Buttigieg and Klobuchar's health plans. Well, but she's right. I mean, it's true, and and it rings true like that line about the post-it. Right. You know, Amy's plan could fit on a post-it, and 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 Amy goes, "No, well, I blah 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 blah," and she's like. Amy, I went on your website. It's two paragraphs. You know, I, I don't think that's being condescending. I think that's calling you out on your BS is what that is. But she I can see where men would find Elizabeth to be condescending because she brings out that whole I'm your mom and I'm mad at you thing or I'm your teacher and I'm mad at you thing that comes across as condescending. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it hits women the same way, but no, no. Listen. On Twitter, it's clear Elizabeth Warren won. If you believe yeah. Twitter, that she won last night. And it was a lot of apparently female, depending on how you trust Twitter and the avatars and people's uh, profiles and everything. A lot of women were saying she is our champion. I mean, they, that she's getting the support of women much more so than any of the other candidates. I thought she did great. I still don't think that she can win in some of those battleground states that I just don't think are ready to vote for a woman for president. Um, one of the other things, two, two, two other things that bother me about Amy Klobuchar. Uh, one was when she's like, my, the post post-its were invented in my state to hit back at, at, uh, <laughs> it's a uh, Warren. She came across like a ditz, like Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. You know, we invented post-its. It's like, that's so irrelevant. You're talking about health care policy. Yeah. Trying- you know, the fact that the post-its were invented in your state means that nothing for you. Did Were you there? Did you help invent the post-its? It tried to be it folksy, was, and I, I think it did fall flat. It dumb. Uh, the next debate, because this is going to get even better, uh, will be next Tuesday down in South Carolina. Um, really quick, the second thing. Not to be Joe Biden, but number two thing that she did that bothered me. <laughs> yes. Was when- number two. Uh, she said the way to stop sexism on the Internet is to uh, oh, elect a woman, a woman president. Yeah. No, no, that's not how that's it works. Not how it, that's not how it <laughs> if works. If anything. It would fuel the fire. <laughs> More on the debate stuff when we get into Swamp Watch coming up at uh, 1230. When we come back, though, the COVID-19 update, Can't, coronavirus, pangolin flu, whatever you call it, it's killing more people. <laughs>
Me times 10 when it comes to no judgment. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Like, I feel like if I killed somebody and I told Oscar about it, he'd be like, well, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we will continue to watch the fallout from the debate last night. Michael Bloomberg overwhelmingly declared the loser in all of that. Um, the president tweeted, or I should say retweeted, a quote from Mike Bloomberg where he said the real winner last night was Donald Trump. One of the uh, criticisms from Amy Klobuchar post-debate was, we spent time arguing with each other and not arguing against the policies of Donald Trump. Mm, yes. So, there and, was uh, everyone arguing the entire time. I mean, it made for good television, but it's not good for the Democrats. See, one of the things that they've got to do is, and I don't think any of them really did a great job of it last night, Explain why a de- an independent or even a moderate Republican should vote for you. Explain any any of that. Any Give me one good reason why. Right. And they didn't do that. They worried with each other about uh, Pete Buttigieg's high school essay that praised Bernie Sanders. Doesn't make any sense. Well, an update on the coronavirus now. Do we have the thing? Oh, yeah. I'm declaring a public health emergency of international concern. This is a fluid situation. (laughs) You get a cough, please leave the room. (laughs) This is a class one emergency. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. I'm going to be sick. (laughs) Virus detected. This potentially deadly virus was now on the loose. Two cruise ship passengers from the Diamond Princess have died now. Uh, They are elderly. It was an 87-year-old man and an 84-year-old woman. They are Japanese, and they are now dead. The number, as it stands, is 621 cases of the virus identified on that ship. That's incredible. But some of the testing hasn't even been completed yet, so it could rise much higher. Uh, I still can't get over... Carl, is that his name? Yeah. Carl, Carl Goldman, we, we talked to yesterday. I mean, he's making jokes about Gatorade and about uh, he likes being alone to watch his shows yeah, because his wife sh- can't steal the remote control. Doesn't have to share the remote. I'm like, I would be a little terrified. Terrified. Even if I'd be obsessed with worry. Now, remember, their friend, Carl and Jerry's friend, Jerry. Uh, the wife of the couple that they were with, she had to stay in Japan because she tested positive. He didn't, Carl didn't test positive until he came back to the United States. So I don't know if it's, you know, I would imagine Japan has perfectly fine medical care and she's receiving the top quality care, but there's something comforting about, I don't have to use Google Translate to let the doctors know how I'm feeling or what's wrong with me. Um, There are still... Cases that are being diagnosed after the quarantine, passengers got back to land after this two-week quarantine ended yesterday. 600 guests disembarked from the cruise ship uh, yesterday. Several hundred guests are expected to uh, be cleared to disembark today before they get this thing completely open, uh, completely emptied out. But this has, you know, been described as a bad idea. Well, yes. And remember, the Japanese health ministry decided to quarantine this ship, not necessarily for the health of the people on the ship. It was the health of everyone else in Japan because they knew that this could potentially get out of hand. Here's a here's a uh, put your oatmeal aside for just a second. 
Chinese researchers, trust them as far as you can throw them, but Chinese researchers say that they have found live virus particles in stool specimens. Number two. Yeah, so that means, here we go, the old fecal-oral route may Mm. be one of the roads that uh, coronavirus has been taken to make people sick. I'm feeling sick again. Which is maybe why it's caused outbreaks on the cruise ships with an intensity that you've seen uh, surrounding the norovirus, which also spreads along that fecal-oral highway. Oh, boy. Maybe highways... uh... Uh, but they're saying that this virus has many routes of transmission, which is can partially explain why it's spreading so rapidly. Keep in mind, I shouldn't even read that, should I? Okay, I will. Uh, rectal swabs can detect the pneumonia-causing virus in mm. patients even when the oral test is negative. The Diamond Princess cruise ship will set sail with tourists again at the end of April. Now, I don't think so. After it has been fully sanitized and sprayed with disinfectant. It's more than no, just you rolling gotta, the windows down and, and that, airing it out. You gotta sink that thing. Because Grandpa uh, ate some cabbage or something I'm like that. I'm going on a princess cruise in June. I wonder if it'll be the Diamond Princess. <laughs> it won't be. I already checked. But it's something to look forward to. Are you going to do all of these swabs to make sure that you're negative before you get off that ship? My uncle calls me... Uh, yesterday or the day before and he's talking it's a family trip we're taking uh cruise and he says uh your dad told me that uh, dad listens to the show every day by the way your dad told me that you might not go because of the coronavirus and i'm like where did he get that from i didn't tell him that and then i'm like oh he's probably listening to the show and listening to me (laughs) bitch about it when your co-workers are trying to wave you off of the trip where you come back with a Potentially deadly infection. Um, I will say this. Uh, I have heard from a couple of people now who work in the medicine industry, who work in hospital environments and went to school for a very long time. And they're saying this is getting a little bit ridiculous in terms of the fear that has been stoked about this virus. Yeah. Because the death toll is still relatively low. The flu that we see roll through uh, every part of the world every single year Kills tens of thousands of people. It's media driven. It really is, and we don't uh, we don't do it any favors. Well, here. How, how can you not read a story that has the subheadline "rectal swabs" on it? I could not. I could not uh, read that. You could have gone right. Through I could have gone without hearing you say "oral fecal highway." I could have lived my day without that. Mayor Bloomberg, should you exist? Oh, that was the wrong one. Number two. Number two. Dang it! I pushed the wrong button. All right, coming up next. You know, this story kind of reminds me of Handel a little bit. It's about Mark Zuckerberg, but it does remind me a little bit of Handel. (laughs) We'll talk about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. A uh, 43-year-old German man apparently shot and killed nine people, most of them Turkish, in a a suburb of Frankfurt, Germany. Officials have uh, said that these were an act of domestic terrorism, and they found him dead alongside his mother. Nice. Speaking of Germany, the president has put his ambassador to Germany 
uh, in as the acting director of national intelligence, Richard Grinnell. Some of the people uh, who do not like this move say it's supposed to be held by somebody who has deep experience in the intelligence world, and uh, Grinnell does not. So he's acting at this point, I believe, still has to be confirmed by the Senate. Roger Stone, of course, one of the president's friends, allies, has been sentenced to more than three years in prison on his convictions for witness tampering, lying to Congress. The president has long defended his friend. It's kind of led to this little mini revolt inside the Justice Department and allegations that the president interfered in the case. Mark Zuckerberg is is a Zerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. Take two. Blake, we'll just erase that part from the podcast. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg is a weirdo. Apparently, he is so consumed by his public image that his aides have to blow dry his armpits ahead of speeches in order to combat what they're calling anxiety sweat. This is in a new book called Facebook, The Inside Story. It was written by a tech journalist, Stephen Levy. And Bloomberg News got a sneak peek inside the book. Inside the book, the author compares Zuckerberg as a mix between naive genius and robotic robber baron. (laughs) That he's consumed by his public image, a communications executive is shown blow-drying Zuckerberg's armpits before speaking appearances to eliminate anxiety sweat. Now, you remember the the costume that this guy wears, right? Which, when he's not testifying before Congress, no matter where he is, he's wearing a gray T-shirt and a hoodie, almost exclusively. A, either keep that hoodie on or B wear a darker t-shirt layer it up that's why Blake wears a jacket most of the days that he's here right because of his anxiety sweat he also wrote about Facebook COO Cheryl Sandberg who is reportedly known to scream at underlings (laughs) that she's a micromanager fanatical about her public image that she's unnecessarily manipulative, calculating, faking nervousness in front of journalists to induce softer questions. <clears throat> now, I, I never uh, understand the stories where they have people that are COOs of things like Facebook. And it's like, oh, they yell at their uh, their subordinates or their, you know, they don't uh, no baloney here. No BS. It's like, well, that's kind of how you get to that point right that's why, that's why, that's why you're the is, boss that's why you're that level of boss is you can't be everyone's friend when you're the coo of a major corporation yes. you're not there to be friendly and to go out to lunch with people you're Wasn't there that, to be a d so things get done the right way one of the criticisms of amy klobuchar was that she was mean to some of the staff members in her senate office yeah okay i would have liked to see mean amy klobuchar and not i'm gonna start crying on this stage amy klobuchar <laughs> in the debate And who of those people last night on that debate stage, who was most likely to have their armpits blown dry to prevent anxiety sweat? Um, I don't think Michael Bloomberg feels anxiety. He didn't seem like it. I think he has that same same thing the president has where it's not a lot of self-awareness in terms of what they have done wrong. That's or a new, what's I, perceived to be wrong. I think that's a New York thing. Yeah. I think. I don't yeah. know enough New Yorkers that personally. That sounds about but right. 
just seems like that was the attitude that came across last night. Definitely. Um, do you know anybody around here who would have their armpits blown dry? Well, I think Handel's probably asked AIDS to do some weird stuff. Has he ever asked you to do some weird stuff? He's a hairy dude. Okay. I... Well, Blake, that is too much. Yeah. You know that's so true. We know. Well, I know that's true because I've had him. He's asked me to remove his shoes before. Okay, so stuff like that is what I'm talking about. Uh, in his defense, he was he was wearing a fat suit at the time. Okay, I'm done. But nothing else. Just big, high, white socks and some New Balance shoes. And tidy whiteies. I'm a sucker for all the things no one knows about you, about you, about you, about you. Making the typical me break my typical rules. It is true, I'm a sucker for you. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Forties. Seven. Mar. Authorities say a 43-year-old German who posted a rant calling for the complete extermination of various races and cultures shot and killed those nine people. Uh, It was an attack on a hookah bar and other sites in suburban Frankfurt. Most of the people were Turkish. Chancellor Angela Merkel said that the shootings exposed the the poison of racism in Germany. Apparently there's been concerns about far-right violence there. A uh, federal judge has sentenced Roger Stone to three years, four months in prison. Charges that include lying during an investigation into Russia's interference in the election in 2016. Uh, The president is expected to speak soon. We're going to have to take that. Oh, yeah. Because he's going to talk about the debate, I would assume. He can't help himself. But uh, we'll see if, in fact, he has followed through on sort of the allusions that he's made that he would pardon Roger, uh, Roger Stone. So we'll follow that when that comes up. USC is going to phase in free tuition for students from families with an annual income of 80 grand or less. And part of uh, their move to make undergraduate education possible to students from all walks of life. Part of their PR uh Rebuilding, I guess you could say, too. Their campaign. Yeah. Uh, Prop bet. Just a quick thing about prop bets. We talk about prop bets in the Super Bowl all the time. The online betting uh, sites that are out there have started taking prop bets on the number of times that Houston Astros players are hit by pitches this year. Oh, I bet. (laughs) Did you see the video of uh, that catcher that played for the Rangers uh, that played for the plays for the Rangers now? He played for the Astros last year. His name is escaping me. It's a video that surfaced yesterday. I heard them talking about it on Petros and Money. And there's like a buzz. He's at, it's an at-bat video. And the buzzer falls out of his shirt or whatever. And he like picks it up and he oh, goes to put it back. Yeah, no. I've I've seen that. It's a sticker. I'm pretty – if it's the same one, it's, a, it's like a holographic sticker that they put on – Certain memorabilia or certain in-game thing, but you see it hit the hit it like bounce it like you it it was more weighty oh, than a sticker. It. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the update on Pop Smoke, LAPD says that uh, they're looking for four people in connection to yesterday, early yesterday's shooting death of Pop Smoke at a home in the Hollywood Hills, which tangentially, as we mentioned yesterday, 
owned by Teddy Mellencamp. Is that why we haven't seen her in here lately? We used to see her in on a regular basis. No, we didn't. You saw her twice over a period of about three years. She made a point of bumping into me. I don't think that's what that what happened. Well, agree to disagree. I mean, she clearly had something for me. But that's fine. The robbers, robbery homicide division captain says, I'm not comfortable calling it a robbery right now. There's a lot of information available. We may have some work to do. So it looks like they don't necessarily have evidence that remember we told you about the stacks of cash that they posted on social media that uh, pop smoke and a a buddy posted on social media and then as well as his address later on Uh, I don't know if he meant to post his address it was just like on a goodie bag that somebody had sent him for rising on the charts last week Um, and so we were kind of operating under the theory that Somebody saw those posts and said, well, there's a lot of cash over at that address. I'm going to go get it. There may not have been a robbery. Yeah. Some sources have said, uh, not to us, but to the L.A. Times, that this was targeting him specifically because the video that was reviewed showed that there was no cash. There were no jewels. There were no other valuables that were carried away by the four people that they were looking for. So they, needless to say, they've got video from... The security camera uh, on the house, they have, uh, I guess, gate camera as well. And in addition to all of the cameras that are around the home, they have some license plate reader technology nearby, which means they may have uh, a a good place to start in terms of finding who it is that's responsible. He does have ties to the Crips, so they're looking at a gang motivated hit as well. Um, they were sent to the home, if you remember this weird chain of events, at about 4.30, 4.45 yesterday morning. Someone called from the East Coast to say that several people uh, had entered the friend's home in L.A. So somebody in the home called their buddy back in New York, I think it was. And then that person called 911, was transferred through to LAPD. When officers showed up, they found that uh, that Pop Smoke, his real name, Bashar Barak Jackson, our Baraka Jackson uh, had been shot, that he was taken to the hospital, pronounced dead. And there were several people in the house, but apparently he's the only one who was shot, which would also Seems like lend, he was targeted. Yeah. Yeah. Lends to uh, the theory that it was they were specifically going there for him. I don't know if there's still an East Coast, West Coast rap war thing that exists. I know in the 90s it did, but I don't know if that's still a thing. I'm wondering if that's a possibility, too. Seems like it would... I don't know. I thought it would have died out. Right. I thought it did die out. All right. Coming up next. It looks like we have a disappearance of a couple up in the Bay Area. Love these mysteries, man. You you love them. Well, I don't love the fact that someone could potentially have seen a uh, uh, less than happy demise. But I do love the idea that there's it's still possible for people to just drop off the face of the earth and not know and not have. I mean, listen, you make fun of me because I track my family. Like I have their, I know where they are based on where their phone is because of find my friends. Because you know that they will never go missing. Well, what if they did? Then you would know where they were. See? I think it's more of a control thing. Is that what you think? Okay. (laughs) Okay, we'll talk about the missing couple. Maybe. When we come back.
Maybe we'll talk about my issues with control. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. I keep seeing visions of you, visions of visions of you. I keep getting stuck in this day, stuck in this deja vu. Even in the dark Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Bottom of the hour, we're going to talk more about uh, the life of a Hollywood assistant. I've seen ads for people who say they need assistance or even people who say that they are celebrity assistants and they're available for their next job, whatever it is. And all of it sounds horrific. Just absolutely horrific. I just think of The Devil Wears Prada as the classic example of the assistant that has to go through hell to serve a crazy-ass boss. Tell me who's in that again. Meryl, uh, Meryl Streep. Oh, Meryl Streep, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, got it. That's why I didn't see it. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was mean. That was rude. Uh, I, I mentioned this before. I wanted to give you some numbers. I said that uh, online sports books are now taking bets on how many Astros players are going to be hit by a pitch this, uh-huh. this year. Uh, the current over-under on at least one of them is 83 and a half, which would be one every other game. That doesn't – I think it's going to be it, – it's going to be – Front heavy, like the first half of the season. Here's the problem. The commissioner did the Astros no favors in handing out no punishments because, as Joe Torre says, the game will take care of itself. They will police itself. There's a reason why kangaroo courts exist in Major League Baseball, and it's so (laughs) that players can police themselves, and that is exactly what you're going to see. I take the over. There's also uh, a bet on... Which Astros player is the first to be hit? Uh, Alex Bregman is currently uh, leading that with seven to two odds. Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve both come in at four to one, and George Springer comes in at. Nine. I'd have to see the uh, the lineup. The lineup, right? exactly. Yeah. I think that's why Bregman would be first. I think Robinson he'd... Chirinos is the catcher that played for the Astros last year, that's where right. the video is kind of circulating of something flying off of him. I got to write that down, so I'll check it out. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, This is a strange story out of Marin County. Yes, I have spent a lot of time there. Missing? In Tamales Bay. You ever lose time? You ever, like, just black out and not know where you were? Um, Yeah, there's an oyster place there uh, in Marshall, which is kind of nice. You get a nice bottle of wine, get some oysters, and you can lose half the day. But I've never gone missing, I think. Uh, There is a, uh, a couple... Married couple, a leading Parkinson's dessert, sorry, a leading Parkinson's disease researcher. That was, I don't know how I just gave it to myself, yeah. but I did. <laughs> and a prominent linguist and author were spending a few nights together near Tamales Bay it in a vacation cottage. A vacation cottage deep in the woods. Um, well, on Friday, uh, people saw them. Everything appears normal. They were seen at their little getaway on Via Della Vista up the mountain from Chicken Ranch Beach. Carol Kaparski, 77, and Ethan Irwin, 72. They never checked out of their rental cottage on Saturday. They did not show up for an appointment on Sunday. And when housekeepers went to the vacation cottage to clean up, they found all their belongings still there. Phones, wallets, their vehicle. Now, the Marin County Sheriff's Department has put together an all-out search and rescue team for these people, looking for them for the last few days. And they have pulled out all the stops. They're looking uh, uh, 
above the water, below the water, unmanned aerial drones, underwater vehicles, scuba teams, canine units, boats equipped with radar and sonar. But absolutely, to this point, no clue as to what happened to this couple. They said that Inverness, the specific area where the cottage is, is not an area where people usually go missing. The only other time that they had to do a search in that area was back in 1979 when a couple of kids got lost in the woods. They've thrown everything at this. Canine units, boats equipped with radar and sonar, unmanned aerial and underwater vehicles, scuba teams, all of it. The couple were last seen Friday at the rental home. Last heard from that afternoon. And officials for the sheriff's department say that they believe that the disappearing without a word is highly out of character for them. The couple's son, Michael Kaparski, could not be reached for comment. But family members did go to the cottage after the couple's appearance and agreed there was nothing out of place. No foul play suspected. This is a couple in their 70s, but they don't have dementia. They're good functioning people. Let's see here. Uh, the the dad, the, the, the man here, is a scientist with more than 25 years of experience in Parkinson's research. He was a chemist on the team that originally identified an agent responsible for the outbreak of Parkinsonism among heroin addicts in 1982. Interesting. Yeah, he was, I guess that he was, work was critical in understanding how to, uh, exposure to a toxin in heroin was creating symptoms that looked a lot like Parkinson's. Uh, one of the most widely used models to study the Parkinson's disease and uh, Parkinson's syndrome was developed out of his research. He was also head of the drug assay lab at Stanford from 78 to 83, director of neurochemistry at the Parkinson's Institute from 84 all the way up to 98. She was a linguist and author of several books on language. 1968, she published Fact, which is a frequently quoted work in the linguistics field. What happens to people in that area? Tamales Bay? Nothing. That's what I... There's a lot of... There's a... I mean, I, my my general feeling is they went hiking and out there. And they're just lost? And they're lost. Um, because there's a lot of wooded areas. There's trails everywhere. Um, and, and I think that's probably most likely what happened. They are... She's pretty slight. She's 5'2", 115 pounds. So you think she slipped and fell down a crevasse? Uh, they would have both had to slip and fall down a crevasse, which I guess could happen. And he's a skinny fella, too. He's 6'1", 175. How tall are you? Six. How much do you weigh? About that. I thought you were 5'11". I've been lying on my inversion table. (laughs) Really? Yeah. You got an extra inch in there now? Sometimes. That's pretty cool. Can I come over? I'd like to be taller. Sure. What's your money on? My money's on their they they're hiking. hiking. Yeah. Except if you've, it, I mean, the, the the sheriff's department's point was, listen, people don't go missing in that area very often because while it is very wooded, it's it seems like it's hard to go so far. You know, yeah. you go one direction and sure. you're at the ocean. You go the other direction, you're at Highway 1. So, and and they're not like 50 miles apart. Yeah, but if you're staying in that area, you might, but their vehicle was there. That's the other thing. So their their cottage is deep in the woods, so they could have gone for a walk. 
and then got turned around and lost. I mean, there's a lot of open areas there, wooded area. I mean, I can see where you would, could get lost if you were tucked deep in the woods there. It is beautiful, though. But the fact that they haven't found them, I think, speaks to your point of it's a small area, pretty much, in terms of a search area. Yeah, and if they've got 135 people out there looking at for them for the last several days, then it's uh, strange that they wouldn't. Um, we talked a little bit about this. Remember email, the email quotes that we talked about a few weeks ago? The email quotes of why uh, or why people use these specific email language when they're talking about corporate doublespeak, things like circling back, put a pin in it, that sort of stuff, more about uh, – what goes on with garbage language a little bit later in the hour as well. But we'll come back and talk about the Hollywood assistant story. It's a pretty good one. Gary and Shannon. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Did you see the hair club for men founder died? Remember, I'm not Cy, only the Cy president, Sperling? I'm Did also you? a member. Yeah. Cy Sperling. Cy Sperling. I didn't know he died. How old was that guy? 78. What a happy story. Whatever happened to the hair club for men? Is it still a thing? It was just so prevalent in the 80s. Like, you couldn't get away from those commercials. And what was it? Was it actual stuff that you'd put on your head to grow hair? Or was it just a... I don't know. ...toupee club? The jury for Harvey Weinstein's rape trial continuing to focus a lot of attention on actress Annabella Sciorra's linchpin allegation that he raped her in the mid-90s. As they deliberated today, the jurors are looking at emails that Weinstein sent regarding Annabella including ones to the private Israeli spy agency he allegedly enlisted to dig up dirt on would-be accusers. Uh, remember his red flag list? Yes. He had a list of people that he uh, wanted them to check out. Uh, stocks have been lower today for the most part after yesterday's record-setting day. Uh, the, of course, coronavirus has been dragging markets down all over the world. Technology, healthcare companies are failing, falling first, of course. Mostly, looks like the Dow is down about 128 points right now. Life in L.A. is weird, and I don't know if people who live here, grew up here, born here, I'm not sure that you understand how crazy this is. But having come here from another part, even just another part of the state. The personalities here are something else, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, even in this building, when you think about radio (laughs) hosts... That, those personalities did not exist in other markets I've worked in. No. I mean, there are there are egos and things like that, but there's just something about the L.A. personality that is a little bit more myopic. I think that it's it, it, any sort of a connection to entertainment. People believe that they are a blank list celebrity. They're either A-list celebrity, and most of those people don't care, and they don't need to, you know, you never see them on the street anyway because they're too big and they'd just be hounded by people. 
But there's other people who believe that because they know somebody or they took a picture on Instagram with somebody or uh, they they puff themselves up as being more important than they actually are. And why? Why do they need to do that? Because it's L.A. Because that's that's the that's the the capital by which we measure each other. Or I should say, I'm hoping I don't do that. So I'll say this. That's the capital by which they measure each other. Yeah, I think you're and right. There, and there's a whole world where you you're trying to move up that letter list. You're trying to, instead of being the D-list celebrity, you're trying to be a C-list celebrity. That is exhausting and sad. But you, we know people like yes, that, right? Yes, I know. And the, I'm seeing their faces as you speak. And one of the one of the true indicators of getting higher up on that list is having people. You actually have to go to events and things when you're in that life. Right. That sounds exhausting. And, and like you have to get ready. You have to put on a dress. You have to put your makeup on. You got to get sit in traffic, and, and you got to drive God you don't do to West LA. All right, fine. No, 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 no. I'm saying more makeup. Okay, all right? I'll put on a dress once in a while. No, you don't have to. It's not summertime. That's your summertime outfit. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, just look at just look at the Academy Awards or or oh, any one of the uh, awards shows that we've talked about in the last several weeks. You've got people show up on the red carpet. There's a half a dozen people with them. So Vulture did this series called Anonymous in Hollywood to find out about assistance and what they go through and all of that. And it's a lot. They interviewed assistants in entertainment who shared their experiences working in the industry. Here is a phone assistant for a film producer. Wow, a phone assistant. What does that entail? Well, here you go. It's a 14-hour day. You get in at 6 a.m., you leave at 8 p.m., and there's no variation on that. But there's no overtime. It's basically minimum wage. So this person was a phone assistant, and when he or she started, everyone was like, oh, I'm so sorry you got this job. <laughs> That's he, a good sign. He expects there to be four or five phone calls being made simultaneously simultaneously and he'll scream and scream if that's not happening you can't really get up there are no breaks you're at the beck and call of everyone else no one ever gets trained in the office because he's constantly firing people you're supposed to warn him about meetings and phone calls an hour out a half an hour out 15 minutes out with emails texts or by telling him directly in the office How is this? This person goes on to say that I'd get diarrhea and I'd have to run to the bathroom because I was so afraid. If if your work is taking a physical toll on your life, that's a sign that there may have been some sort of a problem early in your career. Or it's time to go work at a horse farm or something. Ooh, a personal assistant for a TV news anchor. Ooh, now we're getting let's, close. Yeah, let's get close, close to home. To home you can take bets on who this is. Fred Rogan. I was going to say that. But no, no he's is, the nicest guy. This is New York. All right. I was a personal assistant for a news anchor who is a garbage human. <laughs> I once pulled an all-nighter rewriting re- a speech for him to give at Yale, only for him to inform me the next day that he expected me to drive him from New York City to New Haven. In the car, he decided to give me an in-depth performance review about all my flaws, including how I was oddly robotic and that I didn't show enough emotions for a woman. Once we arrived, he informed me that I would have to find my own way home. 
After frantically calling my Yale friends to find a place to sleep for the night, he mentioned that he'd changed his mind. I could ride back with him to New York City that night, but I had to take the subway at 1 a.m. from Upper West Side to Bushwick. Uh, I don't understand how a man can treat a person who has access to all of his bank accounts, emails, and Viagra prescriptions so poorly. (laughs) That's actually not that bad. (laughs) I mean, I've heard worse stories. Um, A touring agent assistant. This anonymous person says, I did his phone and scheduling, and the work of it was dealing with contacts, uh, contracts. Most agents in that space just negotiate deal terms. I was responsible for making, for making sure people got paid at the end of the night. Very high stakes, anxiety-inducing. A performer is making a half a million dollars an hour of work, and I'm doing all the contract work and making sure all the terms are, uh, are accounted for while making just above minimum wage. At the orientation they told us we'd work one hour of overtime a day. We're required to take an hour for lunch. Meanwhile, we're eating lunch at our desks, uh, staying until the work is done. After all, you're trying to prove yourself, so you're going to show until all hours of the night, scouting and not getting paid for any of it. One year, we were supposed to be out at 1 p.m. for a holiday. My boss didn't know, so I messaged him to say I was leaving. Then I went to the bathroom. While I was sitting on the toilet, I heard him shouting, asking everyone where I was. He storms into the bathroom to yell at me, and I had to explain that I was done for the day and I was going to finish essing and go home. He was very unhappy about it. I got yelled at mid-S. <laughs> After that, I had to ask to go to the bathroom and was sometimes told no. I was 25, oh, and life was terrible. my God. Here's a one from an assistant at a top-tier agency. Everything was fine for a while, she says. My boss was one, the one who helped me find an apartment. She gave me a raise so I could afford rent, showered me with unwarranted gifts, sent me out to some really great shows, events, screenings, and then she snapped. It was like a switch flipped, and to this day, I don't know what caused it. Once she called HR to complain that I was making her feel fat. <laughs> She'd Wait a minute. Me- I didn't know I could complain about that. What? The way that you've made me feel. Fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. You've made Sometimes me you say feel things like that, too. How? How did I say that? How, what did I say? Sometimes you look at my food and you're like, what are you eating over there? And I'm like... Me. I do not say those things out loud. My uncle did say that hey, he, like, he likes it that we keep each other accountable <laughs> with our food. <laughs> um, you know, you only ate one piece of pizza last week. And usually you have three. So that was good. Thank you. Uh, She'd make me interrupt agent meetings to bring in lunch that she refused to eat. Solely so her colleagues could remark on how little she ate during the day. Hey, Blake, go get some candy from the office so we could not eat it. (laughs) You know, you got tater tots coming. (gasps) She once berated me for telling her I was unable to DVR shows on Netflix. She says it remains the only time I was truly afraid of violence in the workplace. I distinctly remember having to put my hands up to protect my face. She was towering over me. Not one person intervened, despite her office having glass walls. Is this a novel? This sounds terrible. <laughs> I know, right? It does. I work for some crazies, though, so I believe this person. Yeah. Uh, this is... Here's one. My boss had me put in his contract that he gets a specific type of bagel at events. That's not true. And that... That would never happen. And that... A specific sort of knife has to accompany said specific bagel. It's in his contract. <laughs> what happens if it doesn't happen? 
I don't know. That's a good question. We're going to have to ask Handel. Nobody. I do know what happened. What? You said we weren't going to ta- use names. He's talked about the bagel thing before. He's proud of the bagel thing. When we come back. Oh, standing by, by the way, the president is in Las Vegas. We expect him to take to the podium here relatively soon uh, uh, for a couple of reasons. Roger Stone sentenced to three years and four months today. Uh, we expect to him expect him to make comments on that. But also, you really think he's going to have a microphone in front of him and not talk about the debate last night? That's coming up. Uh, we'll also talk about garbage language in the corporate workplace. Mm-hmm. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. You see all the people in Colorado Springs camping out overnight in just like freezing temperatures to see the president speak in tents and stuff with hats and jackets and blankets. And I mean, his supporters remain as fervent as ever. That guy pulls a crowd. Oh, my gosh, does he? He is in uh, he's in Nevada this morning and he's expected to speak. Uh, in a little while, they have started an event there. Uh, we do expect to break in at some point and hear some of his comments because uh, he's talking about uh, criminal justice reform today. But because of the Roger Stone story, he was sentenced earlier today, three months, uh, sorry, three years, four months in prison. And because of the debate last night that he had some comments about on Twitter, we expect him to make some of those comments a little bit later. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, uh, we got to put this on. This is just horrific. Uh There's a pole vaulting accident at BYU. Here's the headline. BYU pole vaulter pierces scrotum in horrific accident. Needed 18 stitches to the scrotum. How big? I don't know the answer to your question. That's hard on the junk. Uh, I'm going to watch it. I haven't seen it yet. The The guy's rolling down the track. Or whatever the pole vaulting lane is called there. And it's not good. He's got that pole up high and he's just wearing his shoes and uh, the little running shorts, right? Yeah. Little five inch inseam dealy pop. And he goes up. Okay, so so I stopped it right there because I'm starting to feel sweaty. Yeah. A little. Yeah, I feel sweaty and I don't even have a scrotum. Um, And then when you let it go, he goes up. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> it doesn't get any better the second time. I mean. Well, somebody it's, well, it's, <laughs> somebody did like a boomerang of the moment that that thing rips through the shorts and into his short parts. Oh, my God. Isn't that terrible? He goes because up over the lodges, bar. The pole launches. You don't need to slander him. In the scrotum. It lodges in there. He goes over the bar, and it should be pointed out he did clear it. But the, as the as the pole falls, it lo- under the it bar lodges and in his scrotum, and then it like, and then it boy bum. like it snaps out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good. Here's Lord. here's his quote. I could see right into my scrotum. No, no That's one what should he ever. Said. No man should ever have to say that. Eighteen ever. stitches. To, well, that, to make it so that he couldn't see into it anymore. What were we going to talk I've heard about? <laughs> he's fine, by the way. No, he's not. 
That's a lie. He may he may be recovering. He is not fine. He says he only has a scar from the incident. Um, as for any permanent damage, he says one day we'll find out if they function or not. Well, he is at BYU. He's got some time. Uh, there was a book that came out ye- last last month called Uncanny Valley by Anthony, uh, Anna Weiner. Moves to San Francisco from Brooklyn probably five, six years ago to work in a mobile analytics startup. And Anna describes a whole series of meetings and discussions and memos and just gobbledygook, stuff that doesn't make sense in the real world. She she describes corporate America and the language that we now use, especially when it comes to tech startups. Here's one that's really troubling. Uh, parallel path is a term that's popping up places. We're waiting on specs for the San Francisco installation. Can you parallel path two versions? What does that mean? Which just means to do to have two options for the specs, right? Parallel path means do two things at the same time, pretty much. There's another one. There's another term that a lot of uh, people are using now, syncs, like synchronizations, syncs, S-Y-N-C-S, where the meeting, and I think everyone's had meetings like this, where you don't actually discuss the topic at hand. You don't get into it. You kind of talk around it. You circle around the concept of work. You don't actually get into it. And then by the time everyone leaves the meeting 90 minutes later, it feels like nothing has been done. The term for this kind of talk is now being called garbage language. In in the book, Anna writes this. People used, in, in this startup that she was working for, people used a sort of non-language, which was neither beautiful nor especially efficient. It was a mashup of business speak with athletic and wartime metaphors inflated with self-importance. Garbage language works, she says, because garbage is what we produce mindlessly in the course of our days and because it smells horrible and looks ugly. And we don't think about it except when we're saying (laughs) that it's bad, as I am right now. Mm. The hideous nature of these words is also their purpose. It's just to confuse you sometimes. For example, you know the the company Re, uh, We Work was yes. recently rebranded as We Company. They submitted their prospectus to the Securities and Exchange Commission. Right? It's about two hundred thousand words long. Now, on page one, <laughs> wait, really quick. She writes, "It reads like something a person wrote in the middle of an Adderall overdose with a gun to his head." <laughs> That's so good. Listen to how We Work described itself. Quote. We are a community company committed to maximum global impact. Our mission is to elevate the world's consciousness. We have built a worldwide platform that supports growth, shared experiences, and true success. All they had to write was, we have places where people work together in a communal space. No. I think that they they really hit it out of the park by saying we're a community company committed to maximum global impact. Can we come up with a garbage language description of this show, like a two line uh, description of this show in garbage language? Garbage language. When we and then we'll reveal it when we garbage come back. language elevator pitch when we come back. Yeah. Okay. Let's get together. You know what? Let's reach out and we'll circle back. Well, let's let's parallel, parallel path, path it. Yeah. Just, you work I'll on one path. I'll work do. on the other path. Excellent.
Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now. A low interest rate on everyday purchases and place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed and together they can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. Fed, insured by NCUA. Live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. The president speaking now in Las Vegas. The meeting of former prisoners, which is a kind of a different uh, fit there. Did it? He did an awkward thing where he said, uh, "Whoever the guy was that was speaking right before him, he says, should I tell you now? I shouldn't tell you. I'll tell you. He's under consideration for a pardon, for a full pardon." Didn't say he was pardoned. Yeah. Said he was under consideration for a full pardon, and have, then said, "I, I, I think it's going to turn out good for you." Have you uh, reached your garbage language definition? I have. Okay. I, it's for our show, right? Yeah, right? Yes, I have. Okay, you go first. Garbage language elevator pitch for our show. We are a dual voiced presentation of erudition and co-humor material. We lean into the enlightened provocations of different information input streams, coalescing and coagulating facts and fun with a snarcastic pipeline, a periodic coincidence, and intellectual dislocation. Oh, that's beautiful. Intellectual dislocation. Totally. All right, here's mine. Okay. Gary and Shannon support a synergenic global view of building a communicative community based on an audio-centric platform. The show performs on an open-minded axis to be synced and omni-channeled, an intersectional experience. That's that's pretty good. Look at us. We could get real jobs. <laughs> I don't think so. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Oh, now we've got two cruise passengers dead. These were elderly Japanese passengers aboard the Diamond Princess. They were quarantined on that cruise liner. These are the first people connected to the ship to have died. The um, this is. I don't think these are going to be the last. I although I will say that they were at risk anyway. I mean, they're in their mid eighties. Japanese health officials had said that they were dealing with other health health issues before they got coronavirus or before they contracted it. And this probably goes to what I think has been a pushback from the medical community outside of China, which is let's pump the brakes on everybody, you know, running around with their heads on fire about whether or not this is the end of the world. It's not. It's a mild flu that apparently spreads relatively quickly. And in terms of why it is that we need to pump the brakes on it, we've said this before, 12,000 people died of the flu, the normal flu in the United States this this flu season. Right. 12,000. You need to have a little perspective with that. Yeah. Right. Uh, Roger Stone was sentenced to three years for lying, witness tampering, 
And this is the case that has the Justice Department and the president at each other's throats because it looks like the president had intervened. And then you have the attorney general saying, please stop tweeting about the Roger Stone case because it's uh, making it impossible for me to do my job. And the president did not listen and continued to tweet, tweet, tweet. Uh, the president is speaking, like we said, in Las Vegas. We'll play for you in the next segment some of the comments because he's already been talking about Roger Stone, uh, bad juries, et cetera. So um, we'll – and I guess the judge uh, who was involved in this as well, he's been making comments about Judge uh, – Berman Jackson, I think her name is. There was a mass shooting in Germany. Eleven people killed, including the shooter and his mother. They say it appears to be motivated by racist right-wing extremist views. This was in the suburb of Frankfurt, and it happened about 10 p.m. last night in two hookah bars. The uh, They also found this guy, apparently... At home, after having killed his mother, he killed himself. Yeah. All kinds of issues. Like you said, the um, most of the people who were killed were Turkish. This guy was railing against foreigners, saying that they needed to keep uh, – he needed to keep the race clean or some, some term like that. The former boyfriend of that popular family therapist in Hollywood, Amy Harwick, who he killed – uh, over the weekend, he had bailed out and they have been able to track him down and now no bail in the case. I, uh, why, again, the, he, the first bond was at $2 million, right? Why would it not be higher than that if he was arrested on suspicion of murder? After posting bond, he was released Tuesday night, arrested again on this no-bail warrant. He, uh, sorry, Amy Harwick applied for restraining orders against this guy twice, saying he had repeatedly harassed her after she broke up with him, according to the court records. So, unfortunate end there. USC, we mentioned this, is has announced that it's going to phase in free tuition for students from families with an annual income of eighty grand or less. And they say home ownership will not be used to determine a student's financial need either. The president, Carol Foltz, saying in a statement that we are opening the door wider to make USC education possible for talented students from all walks of life. And that this significant step we're taking today is by no means the end of our affordability journey. Our affordability oh, journey. That's a good one. That's a good garbage language thing, huh? Affordability journey. Yeah, you really learn a lot of garbage language skills when you go through a university. <laughs> You know, and it's all about taking up space and writing those papers and just saying the same thing over and over in different ways. Um, Charles Zukowski, the provost at USC, says we will with this new initiative, we'll even be better positioned to recruit students from all backgrounds and strengthen the USC experience for everyone. So um, I guess. And can you believe it? We're just a couple of weeks away from Westworld season three. Uh yeah. You know, <laughs> what? I not... I was into the first season and then I uh, stopped. It got, it got weird. It got crazy. The second season got, I'm not saying it didn't. And there's a lot of questions about whether or not Westworld season three can maintain that. If it's just going to get so esoteric that people can't follow along with it. But it should be, uh, it should be pretty good. Um, with, of course, Evan Rachel Wood coming back as Dolores. But also Aaron Paul coming in, um, fresh off of Breaking Bad, which ended 10 years ago, whatever it was. 
so that doesn't it. I think it's March 15th, whatever that Sunday is. Yeah, March 15th. Is Rebecca wrote to us on Facebook at Gary and Shannon with a garbage language description of the show. Okay. The Gary and Shannon show provides a holistic approach to the expounding media channels that expands our diverse community. Their synergy provides additional bandwidth to convey their RACI views. RACI is a popular acronym meaning responsible, accountable, consulted, and informed. Nice job, Rebecca. Gross, Rebecca. I love it. (laughs) All right. When we come back, uh, we'll play for you some of what the president has been talking about. Uh, He's speaking in Las Vegas right now. What's that? Is that him? Is that me? Uh, And we'll come back. He's talking about Roger Stone. He's talking about the jury four person on the Roger Stone case. Roger Stone, of course, sentenced to uh, three years and four months in jail earlier today. Did it get cold in here? Or is that coronavirus? Why? I just feel like it got a little chilly in here. I don't think so. My but I do have a little bit of a cold. sniffle. I you do feel do. like my nose is stuffed up when now. When that dry cough hits, I'm out of here. <laughs> well, I do think, remember yesterday I said allergies hit. And it was right around this time I felt mm-hmm. allergies. Come. Do you think those were allergies? As opposed to a 24-hour coronavirus that comes back every 24 hours? Gary and Shannon. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. If you have a garbage language version of what our our elevator pitch should be, just let us know. Send it to us, email, or on social media, at Gary and Shannon. Uh, the bottom of the hour, we'll revisit the uh, debate from last night in Las Vegas. Talk about some of the, uh, the highlights, some of the lowlights, especially for uh, Michael Bloomberg. Um, and next hour, you are going to want to come back for what will be the first ever, uh, it may be the first of many, deep dives into night soil. Number two. Because I don't think we've ever talked about it before, and I'm fascinated by the history of... Well, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, about a man who has gone to the bathroom outside since 1974. And he referred to it as night soil. And he referred to it as night soil. So Chris and Carlo went ahead and texted me and said, if you ever want the history of uh, night soil and how it has changed American history, then uh, let me know. I can uh, come on. And we said, great. So I, I, I booked him for today. And then his wife texted me last night and said, I just got my lesson on night soil and it is a wild ride. So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, really? That'll be the uh, the bottom of next hour. Okay. Is it um, bad that I have been looking forward to Chris and Carlo breaking down night soil uh, today? Is, like, is that a bad that I'm looking forward to no, that? Do I, I need something going on in my life? To where I don't get excited about Ann Carlo breaking down night soil. Like, is this a cry for help? Have I hit no, rock bottom in terms of hobbies? I don't think it is. I think if you knew what you were getting into and you were excited about it, but since there's a sense of the unknown, I think that's okay. okay. I think you can still be excited about okay. it. Uh, earlier today, a federal judge sentenced uh, President Trump's longtime friend, Roger Stone, 
little more than three years in prison for obstruction, witness tampering, making false statements to Congress. Uh, 40 months for one count, 18 months for the others, plus a $20,000 fine. Of course, he's going to serve them all at the same time. Prosecutors were originally asking for a sentence of somewhere between seven and nine years, if you remember. And then the attorney general overruled them and asked for a lighter sentence. The president has said multiple times that his friend, Roger Stone, was treated unfairly. The the attorney general stepped in. Uh, four prosecutors resigned from the case. It also led to about 2,000 former Department of Justice officials to write a letter calling on Barr to resign. That started the uh, back and forth between the attorney general and the president, where the attorney general says, please stop tweeting. You make my job harder. And the president said, yeah, well, I don't care because I am the top law enforcement officer in the land. Well, the president's been speaking today in Las Vegas at a prisoner graduation ceremony talking about uh, after programs for people once they get out of prison to find their way back into society through workforce, uh, work training and things like that. But he took the time to talk about Roger Stone. Now, you see a lot of uh, press back there. So before we go any further, I want to address today's sentencing of a man, Roger Stone, Roger Stone. He's become a big part of the news over the last little while. And I'm following this very closely, and I want to see it play out to its fullest because Roger has a very good chance of exoneration, in my opinion. I've known, and you people understand it probably better than anybody in the room, I've known Roger Stone and his wife, who's really a terrific woman, for a long time, and Roger's definitely a character. Everybody sort of knows Roger. Everybody knows him, and most people like him. Some people probably don't, but I do, and I always have. Uh, He's a smart guy. He's a little different. But those are sometimes the most interesting. But he's a good person. His family is fantastic. He's got a fantastic family. And there's always a reason for that, isn't there? Roger was never involved in the Trump campaign for president. He wasn't involved. I think early on, long before I announced, he may have done a little consulting work or something. But he was not involved when I ran for president. And he's a person who... Again, he knows a lot of people having to do with politics. His whole life is politics. That's what he is. And it's my strong opinion that the forewoman of the jury, the woman who was in charge of the jury, is totally tainted. When you take a look, how can you have a person like this? She was a anti-Trump activist. Can you imagine this? Now, you wouldn't know about a bad jury. Anybody here know about bad? No? These people know more about bad juries than everybody here, including the sheriff and the mayor and everybody. Remember, he's talking to ex-prisoners. They know about bad juries. We're not going to say it too much. So let's not say it in front of more cameras than this. But you're my experts, okay? No, but this is a woman who was an anti-Trump person, totally. Now, I don't know if this is a fact, but she had a horrible social media account. I don't the know if this she is she said fact. on the account were unbelievable. She didn't reveal that when she was chosen. And she's, I guess, from what I hear, a very strong woman, a very dominant person. So she can get people to do whatever she wants. And she got on, then she became the four-person, four-woman on the jury. And I assume they asked her 
a question. Do you have any bias? Do you have any? She didn't say that. So is that a defrauding of the court? You tell me. Okay. So the takeaway basically is the president says that he would love to see Roger Stone exonerated, but that he's going to allow this to play out. I don't know what else needs to play out if, in fact, the judge has just sentenced him. I suppose they could appeal and base it on what the president was talking about, the potential for, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, jury tampering or some sort of juror misconduct as a result of her not explaining the jury, jury four person, not explaining her past uh, and willingness to be unbiased. We'll see. All right. Coming up next, Swamp Watch will jump into that very entertaining debate last night. Holy hell. Two hours of fun. Number two. He likes to number things, that guy. Uh, Fact of the matter is, that's his other crutch. Got a couple boiler. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Gary and Shannon will continue. Shannon. Somebody says he turned off the show. Why? Why would you do that? Same time, two days in a row for the same reason. Nobody wants to listen to that, especially at lunchtime. Is there nothing else in the world going on? What was that? Didn't say. Did we talk about output? I don't know. Because yesterday we got in trouble for talking about output around that time. I... I how am I supposed this to know? How show supposed- sucks today. Yeah. How are we supposed to know if you don't tell us what the problem was? Yeah, we need to know what the problem and is. And two days in a row, I sense a pattern. I sense a pattern. We have no patterns. Except for at 1230 every day, we do Swamp Watch. Oh, look at that. <laughs> drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, like I said earlier, I sat down to watch seven to ten minutes of that debate and was hooked from go from the first attack Elizabeth Warren leveled onto Mike Bloomberg. It- I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. Zing. When I heard that, I had been, you know, half paying attention. I'll have it on in the background while right. I'm getting dinner ready or whatever. And then I thought, oh, no, full attention. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to have to finish watching that whole thing. Now, I wish I could pay less attention to teeth and ears uh, and dandruff, but I couldn't <laughs> escape any of it, really. Uh, Amy Klobuchar made me most cringeworthy, I believe, because I felt like she was so close to tears and a couple of a couple of times once when she was called out for not knowing the name of the Mexican president. And she also went after Pete in a weird way. She was just I was cringing the whole time. And then when Elizabeth Warren called her out on uh, her scant health care policy, she said it was 
probably could fit on a post-it. And Amy Klobuchar says, well, I take issue with that because post-its were invented in my state. Mayor Buttigieg really has a slogan that was thought up by his consultants to paper over a thin version of a plan that would leave millions of people unable to afford their health care. It's not a plan, it's a PowerPoint. And Amy's plan is even less. It's like a post-it note. Insert plan here. Bernie... I'm more more of a Microsoft Word guy. I must say I take personal offense since post-it notes were invented in my state. (laughs) Yeah! So irrelevant and so dumb. Listen, I don't know why you think I'm so sad. I'm from California, and Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. Yeah. That That was the connection. It just... Joe Biden didn't speak for much of the first half of the debate. And when he did, he was uh, sticking to different language patterns, like saying number one and number two. Number two. And he would often lose track, I believe, of his thoughts. And you could visualize it the moment that it would happen. There were telltale signs when he would close his eyes for a second in mid-sentence. You knew there it goes. Whatever whatever momentum he had going into that statement. Soon as he closed his eyes, something was going to happen. He was going to trip over the next word. He was going to lose his train of thought, or he was going to look at the camera and go, uh, "I don't am I? Do I still have time?" The big takeaway was Michael Bloomberg was a total dud after spending four hundred and seventeen million dollars on advertising, just blanketing digital media, all of it. He did not prepare, or he did not prepare adequately for the attacks that he should have seen coming. One of the weirdest things was I saw this trending afterwards. I, I'd watched it on tape delay. So I, I saw this trending and it was a question that Chuck Todd had asked. He kind of inadvertently made it up in the moment because he'd asked somebody else about a Bernie Sanders tweet that billionaires shouldn't exist in the United States of America. Mayor Bloomberg, should you exist? I can't speak for all billionaires. All I know is I've been very lucky, made a lot of money and I'm giving it all away. Um, that's fine. Uh, but the idea of him answering that question with I'm giving all my money away doesn't answer the the original assumption that Bernie Sanders made when he when he put the tweet out. We should not have people who have that much money. Well, and they asked him point blank, should you have that much money? And Bloomberg said, yeah, I worked really hard for it. And, and then he said, again, I'm giving it away. There was a there was a moment where. He, and, I, and, and they drilled down on that, I think, a little bit about Americans not wanting socialism. Yeah. Well, Lester Holt did at one point ask Bernie Sanders. He says in an NBC poll, something like 60 percent of people say they don't want socialism. And Bernie Sanders' response was actually pretty good. Yes. If that's the case, who was number one in that poll? He says, I led that poll. I'm leading in that poll, 31 percent to 19, whoever I think it's Bloomberg is second in that poll. That's a perfect answer, although it doesn't go to the bigger fact that they kept talking about sort of this thing that kept floating up yesterday, which was which of the six people on that stage would be able to beat Donald Trump in November if it comes to that. And I don't think any of them were able to do that because they were so busy going after each other. Michael Bloomberg did say after the debate last night that the biggest winner of the night was Donald Trump because they were going after each other and not after him. They tried to. Um, it just didn't it, it didn't work out the way they wanted it to, perhaps. But but Bernie Sanders said we have a grotesque and immoral 
distribution of wealth and income. Um, to get back at him, Michael Bloomberg. Believe in democratic socialism okay, for enough. working people, not billionaires. Health care for all. Educational opportunity all right, for all. Senator, thank you. Mayor Bloomberg, would you like to, that the, the question was about socialism. What a wonderful country we have. The best known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What I miss here? It's a good line. Would have been received at a different audience much better. Uh, when Bernie <laughs> tried to rationalize his three homes, that was kind of rich. I enjoyed that. Yeah, he's like, I live in Washington when I'm working. And Michael Bloomberg says, well, that's problem number one. Right. Uh, But you got your house in Vermont. That's fine. And everyone, he's like, everyone has a summer camp. A summer camp. Not everybody. A summer camp. Like it's a tent out in the woods or something. Like camp, you know, I don't know. It was so funny. But I mean, he did have a point about there being rich capitalism. You know, you look at Wall Street and how they were bailed out in 2008. And that the corporate world. Rich socialism. uh, What did I say? Yeah. Yeah. Rich rich socialism. Socialism and and how corporations routinely are helped out by that kind of thinking with the government. So there there was a great. He just seemed angry as hell. Bernie he seemed angry. Uh, Pete seemed condescending. Amy was going to cry all night. Elizabeth Warren, I think, was the clear winner. But the one thing she did, where I does think that leave them? That was most successful was when she went after Michael Bloomberg for the non disclosure agreements. We'll play that piece for you when we come back. just leftover clothes on the cruise ship yeah because remember she didn't have her suitcase give it there in omaha is there a lot of eagles gear in omaha just hanging out yeah hanging around gary and shannon kfi am 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app Talking about the uh, debates from last night, the Democratic debate, six candidates on the stage, Bloomberg, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, and Amy Klobuchar. And early on, there were questions about whether or not Bloomberg even belonged there. Clearly, he was out of his class uh, when it came to the quality of debate that was there, and he could not keep up. One of the questions became about non-disclosure agreements that Michael Bloomberg had apparently signed with several women that have worked for him over the decades that accused him of sexual harassment. We have a very few non-disclosure agreements. How, how many Let is that? Let me finish. How many is that? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just put, and let me put, there's a be, agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet and that's up to them. They sign those agreements, so, and we'll live with it. So wait, when you say it is up to, I just want to be clear. Some is how many? And and when you and when you say they signed them, and they wanted them, if they wish now to speak out and tell their side of the story about what it is they allege, that's now okay with you. You're releasing them on television tonight, Se- Senator. No. Is that right? 
Senator, Senator, Senator Company and somebody else, in this case, a man or a woman, or could be more than that, they decided when they made an agreement that they wanted to keep it quiet for everybody's no. interest. They signed the agreements, and that's what we're going to live I, with. I'm sorry. Really no, the question is, are I the women bound by being muzzled by you? And you could release them from that immediately. Because understand, this is not just a question of the mayor's character. This is also a question about electability. All right. So if if Michael Bloomberg was sort of acting as a Donald Trump proxy for these people to take shots at last night, she did a good job. The difference being Donald Trump would never allow her in a debate scenario would never allow her to finish her argument. I think the moderator would step in, though, and allow her to finish. I do think so. Maybe. The problem is, is Elizabeth Warren is not going to be electable in some of these places, the battleground states that are just not going to vote for a woman, certainly not one who will hold a man's feet to the fire the way that she did. There are a lot of men that cannot handle strong women like that and that have a very adverse reaction to somebody who is coming across like uh, your your teacher or a mother who's mad at you, that kind of a thing. Well, and I hope uh, just being the guy who also has a negative reaction to her, my I also have neighbor, negative reaction to the amount of dandruff and hair flyaway that Bernie Sanders had at the second hour of that debate. And I, I had a problem to... with the half-inch-long hair sticking out of Joe Biden's earlobe. I mean, th- there are things like that, that that annoyed me. They don't make them better or worse people. I mean, Elizabeth Warren could clearly out-policy anybody on that stage, I think. My takeaway from the whole night is Donald Trump's running away with this thing. I mean, I just don't see any of them being electable, unfortunately. Either it's because you're a woman or uh, Pete Buttigieg is not going to overcome the gay in in some areas of this country. It's just a fact of the matter. And so the Americans, I don't think, in a majority sense, are want socialism. Okay, so if the, if so, if you knock a couple, you know, you basically knocked off half of the stage just with that, saying that Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, and Pete Buttigieg are not going to win. And Bernie Sanders. Okay, so Bernie, then you're left with two people. Biden is done. Biden, Biden didn't want to be there last night. Biden uh, short-circuited at least four times that I counted. Okay, so if that leaves one guy standing, if that leaves Michael Bloomberg up there, clearly incapable of handling a debate scenario, at least that one, I suppose he could practice between now and Tuesday. Well, the next here's one, the but... thing. Donald Trump's not going to be able to go after Bloomberg about women. He's not going to be able to go after Michael Bloomberg about money. He's not going to be able to go after him about experience, all of that. Or flip-flopping political parties or donations to political opponents. You take away those knives and what do you have? Maybe just policy, maybe just the politics of it all. And listen, Bloomberg may be able to explain certain policies, but when he was talking about stop and frisk last night, I was more confused when he was done yeah, than that, when he started. He was so terrible. He really was. And talking about he apologizes but didn't apologize, and we did it because we wanted to reduce crime, and we did, but I apologize for reducing crime by doing it in the way that I did it, which was a, a good way to start. I, I mean, just, Again, there are so many ways to get out of the attacks that were leveled on him, and I don't think he was given a roadmap for any of them. 
I mean, it's it's easy to say, you know, on the NDA concept, it's easy to say, listen, I was ahead of a, I'm ahead of a major business and people will try and take you down and they will try to attack you and they will try to go after you for whatever reason. So I've always had to protect myself with NDAs and they in every titan of industry knows that that's a thing that that that's pretty common. To protect yourself out of an abundance of caution. I mean, there's a ways to get around that. And he just kept stepping in it. Which is horrible considering he's had weeks to prepare for this. Right. Knowing that he was qualified. We knew weeks ago that he had qualified for the debate. Wait, did we know weeks ago or was that last yeah. week? No, we knew weeks ago that he had qualified. Huh. Okay. Or that they had changed the rules so that he could qualify. How's that? Okay. And it was likely that he was going to. Okay. And but again, was... he's, not on the, he's not on the ballot this weekend in Nevada. So he's not going to lose support. He's not on the ballot next weekend in South Carolina. So his big test is going to come up in March. Could you imagine if he if he spikes in the polls, which he has the last few days, and then drops in the polls before the big before Super Tuesday even comes and goes? Looks like they have identified a suspect with that triple homicide in Paris. Remember the three bodies that turned up at the cemetery? Oh, yeah. And they're going to need help looking for the suspect. They said that they're going to have a news conference at four. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. Plenty of weddings taking place today. It's 2-20-2020. A day considered to be of numerical and celestial perfection. Oh, I knew it. The total sun, Something felt right today. The total I think it's those spicy tots. It's something. I Something about the number two. Number two. The total sum of the number twos add up to eight, which yes. is the symbol of harmony and balance. The date is also when key planets for commitment, emotional stability, and sacred contracts will align. Are you feeling all of that? You feeling emotional stability and commitment? I feel like I ate that sandwich too fast. You did. You did not have to eat it that quickly. Are you okay? But if I didn't, I'd still be eating it. Do you need to do some night soiling? Well, Number two. you heard in Layla's news there, uh, grisly scene in Hemet, where three women are found dead. This is not connected to the Paris bodies that were found earlier in the week, the three guys that were uh, at the cemetery. Steve Gregory is following the story in uh, in Hemet. Steve, what do we know about this uh, this discovery today? Well, very little, and this is what's so interesting about it, is that they found the bodies last night only because of a strange 911 call. And uh, when I was asking police here in Hemet, you know, where'd the call come from, where did it originate, and they couldn't tell me. They're trying to find out the, uh, they're trying to find, rather, the family members of these three women. So when it started as a medical call, so when fire department got on scene last night, they discovered the woman uh, that they got the call about laying in a pool of blood. And then when they began to look around, they realized there are two other women for a total of three in the same house. So I asked this police officer that I spoke with a few moments ago, uh, his name is Shane Nico here with Hemet PD, what kind of neighborhood is that area? 
It is a single-family residence that sits in a small community on the southwest side of our city. Is that an area known for problems? It's right next to a school, and it is not, no. Okay, so what can you tell us about the three women inside? All I can tell you at this time is that they are three adult females. And that's about it. Uh, no motive, uh, no forced entry, though. He was able to tell me there was no forced entry, which leads them to believe that this was an isolated incident. They said that they have very strong leads, and I said, well, are the leads isolated locally? And they said, well, our leads originate local, but we are looking outside of town as well. So it sounds like they've got some pretty strong leads. I'm told that there will be an update probably around 6 o'clock this evening. Now at the same time, as you mentioned, Shannon, toward the top of the hour, uh, at 4 o'clock, I will be heading over I'll be heading over to the Riverside County Sheriff's press briefing at 4 to find out the uh, situation with the three men over there. So one would ask the question, is there a relationship between the death of the three men and then the death of the three women? And the answer, according to Hemet PD, is no. Yeah, but that's an odd... It is, isn't I mean, it? it Timing-wise, the odd coincidence that you'd have three bodies in a cemetery and not too far away, three bodies in a home. Right. Um, do we know much about the the makeup of who's in the house? Is it a, is it a single family? Is it a mixed family? Is it roommates? Do we know? No. And uh, I ask all those questions. Now, there are some outlets that were reporting that a man showed up to the home claiming that uh, his daughter was one of the three and was renting the home. Police would not confirm that information to me. And uh, so I'm not I'm not going to report it because I can't independently confirm that. But it would appear that it is a rental home. It was a single family home. And from the picture, when you look outside and you can see a picture online as well, it it, it appears to be in a good, decent neighborhood. The home appears to be fairly new. And as you heard the officer say, it's next to a school. So presumably this is a pretty, pretty decent area of town. But. When he said isolated incident, this could mean, um, you know, it could mean domestic violence. It could mean uh, that, you know, obviously that these three women were probably targeted. Was it, uh, are they operating on any sort of murder-suicide possibility? They won't lean that direction with me, only to say that they have strong leads. So I'm thinking that there's somebody out there they're looking for that probably uh, did this or at least knows who did it. And so I'm not thinking that that's where they're headed crazy i know yeah i mean someone that's just gonna go slaughter three women in a house i mean that would that would terrify me even if it was not a random attack this person is still somebody who's quite brazen and is um well i'm I'm looking at this call when i said well where did the call originate and who called and the officer they looked at each other and they're like we don't know and they say it's part of the investigation so you know that they're able to find out whether it came from like a cell phone, a burner phone, a landline, or whatever the case is, and what region of the area the call originated. And that's information that they're not releasing, or, or the, the, at least the officers I spoke with didn't know that answer. But I'm hoping this afternoon, later this afternoon, early this evening, we're going to get some more answers. All right. Busy afternoon. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. Take care. Steve Gregory there with the latest. And again, uh, the three bodies that were found inside a home, three bodies of women found uh, inside a home in Hemet late last night. Uh, just about 9 o'clock, they found a woman lying in a pool of blood and found two other women dead inside. And then the other news conference that will take place about three hours from now is the update from Riverside County Sheriff uh, Department regarding the three men found in a cemetery in Paris they, early Monday morning. They say they do have a suspect that they've ID'd and that they need help looking for said suspect.
the three men were identified as Jamie or Jaime Espindola, 50 years old, Jose Aguilar Espigil, 38, and then Rodrigo Aguilar Espigil, 28. So all three residents, the city of Paris. A couple of things we'll update when we come back. Number one, the Harvey Weinstein case. We know some of the questions that jurors have been asking uh, and some other stuff. Oh, don't forget, night soil at the bottom of the hour. Oh, right. Chris Ann Carlo's got a real treat for all of us, the history of night soil in America. And I've been told it's a doozy. Gary, it's better than it being a doozy. Stop it. I'm sorry. I feel blood has left my, I feel like my, you my ate head and gone to my stomach. It's all right. You're going to be fine. We'll get through this. I'm sweating. All right? It's yeah. not your fault. Okay. Gary and Shannon. Oh, by the way, Kurt Cobain would have been 53 today. Wow. AFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Stocks closed the day in uh, negative territory. The coronavirus, for the most part, has been the main reason why we've seen some less than stellar days on Wall Street. The Dow, for example, was down 128 points. S&P down 13. NASDAQ down 66. Travel companies have been really the ones that have been taking it in the shorts in the last couple of weeks as a result of this. Guy in Germany, 43-year-old guy, posted a manifesto that advocated the complete extermination of multiple races or cultures in our midst. Accused of shooting and killing nine people, most of them uh, Turkish citizens in a uh, suburb in Frankfurt before he was found dead alongside his mother. Weird. And then the president uh, put his ambassador to Germany in charge of U.S. spy agencies, uh, Richard Grinnell will become the acting director of national intelligence. Well, the jury in the Harvey Weinstein rape trial has been slowly deliberating. They've been deliberating for about 14 hours. They say there's no sign of a verdict for this afternoon. We're talking about five women, seven men, and they are determining the fate of Harvey Weinstein. He faces Five criminal sex charges in New York. If convicted on all charges, he'll probably spend the rest of his life behind bars. So this is the third day of deliberation. And the jury has spent more than four hours sequestered together in the jury room as they go over the evidence regarding two witnesses, Miriam Haley and Annabella Shiora. So far today, the jury has not stepped foot into the courtroom, has not sent any notes to the judge. Now, on the first two days of deliberations, the jurors sent a bunch of notes requesting exhibits and readback of testimony. Part of the problem, apparently, at least there was a write-up in the nation that I saw, part of the problem might be that the instructions that the judge gave the jury were confusing. That is part of it. The jury indicated they were confused about the verdict form. Uh, asking the judge to clarify the charges. Yeah. would uh, They sent a couple of questions. Would he give, would the judge give the jury definitions of terms within the charges? And the answer was no. Here's another question. 
Must they find that the state has proved that Weinstein forced sex upon both the primary accuser in 2006 and on Annabella Ciora in the winter of 93-94 to bring a guilty verdict on the charge of predatory sex assault? The answer is yes. Could he explain how they are supposed to consider Annabella Ciora given the statute of limitations? I Remember, cannot... she testified, but but not in one of the cases, uh, one of the charges that he's been charged with. I cannot believe that the prosecution did not clarify that in closing. That's right. one of the jobs of a prosecutor right. is to handhold the jurors through those forms and through the charges and what they mean and how they prove how they had proven their case and 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 give examples of of exactly that and and, say, and then maybe even go ahead i was going to say to break it down to its simplest forms and then say to the jury this is easy like this, yeah. we've clearly checked all the boxes that we right. need to check all you have to do is that's, just say yes that's I what agree. I, that's exactly what i was going to say like have a, 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 a it on the overhead projector or whatever and have the box literal literal boxes and yeah. check them off as you go through and review the evidence that you presented that troubles me that that such a simple thing like that was not explained to them uh, the judge's response, by the way, can't, uh, could you explain how we are to consider Shiora given the statute of limitations? The answer was uh, any mar- uh, any matter regarding statute of limitations are for the judge to consider. You are not to speculate. So they're left kind of hanging with no real indication as to how they're supposed to handle this. Uh, are they supposed to consider Annabella Shiora's allegation on its own? And the answer is no, because <clears throat> that's not one of the charges that Harvey Weinstein is facing. So, you know, you're supposed to use your common sense. And to your point, if the if the prosecution in its closing does not lay out what is a common sense argument for this guy's guilt, then they're left to wade through all of the legal definitions of what the charges and all of these different arguments. I don't think very few juries have the mental acuity to do that. Right. The jurors were initially focused on Miriam Haley's testimony. They requested to see a blueprint of Harvey Weinstein's apartment in Soho, where she alleges she was sexually assaulted. And they wanted to see copies of all messages from Harvey's email address that related to Miriam Haley. Then the jury asked for the court reporter to reread a large portion of Haley's testimony about the encounter at the Tribeca Grand Hotel. That took an hour. Um, They're also sifting through Annabella Shioria's allegations, requesting to see the red flag list that Weinstein sent to a private detective to investigate several women. On the same topic, they requested to see all written or digital communications and emails to or mentioning her in evidence. It's interesting that they want his words about these women. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, I don't know. It it also raises... I mean, the the questions about Annabella Ciora, again, she's not the the allegations that she made against him are well beyond the statute of limitations, are not part of the criminal charges that he's facing. She's just somebody who was there to establish a pattern, because I guess one of the charges having been that that he was a serial sex offender, whatever the term was, they've got to find it in there in order to uh, predatory sex assault that they've got to find a pattern for the predatory nature of the sex assault to actually apply. So they're relying on the testimony of a woman who, again, the allegation did never, uh, never resulted in charges against him. Here is a bad sign for the prosecutors. 
and maybe a bad move on their behalf. The jury asked to see the PowerPoint presentation from Barbara Ziff. Remember Barbara Ziff? She was a forensic psychiatrist who testified that rape victims often continued to correspond with their rapists and that that was not a sign of anything. Also that rape, uh, rape uh, people who are raped uh, do not fight back the majority of the time, that they kind of just freeze. And that doesn't mean it's not rape. Well, that presentation that the jury requested, that was not entered into evidence. So the jury was not able to review it again. And that was the key testimony for the prosecutors. Because remember, the defense argued and presented evidence showing that these women continued to talk to him, send him text message, emails, tell him they love him. They don't want to just be a booty call. All these things that aren't just keeping up communication with the rapist. It seems like it was furthering communication. Let me throw this juror nugget in there as well, which I hadn't seen this before. One of the jurors, um, apparently the defense tried to strike this juror from the panel. They're writing a book, a novel, they say, so it's fictional. But one of the jurors is writing a book that's due out in July that involves young women interacting with predatory older men. This is an according to a description of the plot. Again, this is a juror sitting on the Harvey Weinstein case right now. Uh, she was not very forthcoming about it, if at all, during voir dire, which is when they interviewed the, de- the jurors. And the defense had already done its peremptory challenges, which is just you can you can let them go because you don't like their lip color. And they tried to get her for cause to strike her from the jury for cause. The judge disagreed and then disagreed again just last week when the defense moved to replace her with the first alternate, producing a review she'd written during the trial of a book involving a repulsive predator. There are problems with this case. We this know is, it now. There are problems with this. case. My money is all on hung jury. I, mean, I don't think you're going to get 12 to convict and I don't think you're going to get 12 to acquit. It's got to be soon, right? I mean, this is... I don't know. They're asking for a lot of stuff. They're asking for everything. (sighs) They just want to start over from the beginning? You know what? I think you might get a verdict or a non-verdict tomorrow, and then the judge might say, you know, well, let's come back next week and try again. You know, I don't know if the judge will accept the hung jury the first time. He might send them back in there and say, go work out your issues. All right, we come back. Uh, an interesting but strange science story. Night soil. Didn't hear the term before yesterday. Never once had I heard the term before yesterday. And who knew we had a night soil expert in our midst? He's got two kids. Um, I don't think that's what that or is. I, it's part of, well, it's kind of... Chris and Carla will break it down for work us. Work on parallel planes here and see what Parallel paths. Parallel paths. Gary and Shannon will continue. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Looks like NFL owners have approved terms for that labor agreement that was talked about this week. Union, players' union's going to discuss it in a conference call today. I think the details included expanding the season to 17 games 
and then getting rid of one of the preseason games and also having seven teams make the playoffs and just one team having the first round bye or the first and second round bye, the whole wild card thing would be two weekends. We have two wild card weekends. Seven playoff teams. Right. First seed gets the bye. And then it gets the hose again. If <laughs> So you've got the three games to determine, I guess, whoever. Then there's the... I don't get it. Why would you... you so you penalize the second seed at that well, point. Or the, you put more importance on the first seed. The players want this because there's all these incentives in their contracts about getting into the playoffs. Right? So if you've got another team that oh. makes it, then... There you go. But they were complaining about how hard it is on the bodies anyway. Yeah, I don't know why. They, well, we'll see what they agree to. But the, the owners have approved the terms. President uh, Trump did say today uh, about Roger Stone. Uh, I'll play this one more time and then I'll explain. The Roger Stone, by the way, was sentenced today in a federal court three years and four months in prison. It's because Roger has a very... Good chance of exoneration, in my opinion. But he did say that he's going to wait for any action on his part until the process plays out. The judge in this case, I guess, has said that they're going to not uh, they're going to suspend the sentence, at least until she hears the arguments about whether or not there should be a new trial. So uh, that's one of those uh, strange things that's been cropping up, especially because of the pardons and commutations that the president's been talking about recently. Well, we uh, we dove into the world of uh, night soil yesterday when we told you the tale of Masana Izawa, 69-year-old man. He's Japanese, and he is into fundoshi. Uh, he calls himself a poop soil master. Uh, he's all into conservation, and he has been going number two outside for 40-some-odd uh, years. Six years. It's like weird science, but strange. Well, an interview that Masana Izawa did in Japan Times that we were looking at yesterday, he used the term night soil uh, to describe outdoor defecation, among other things. And I got a text message from Chris Ancarlo, and he's like, hey, if you want to know about the history of night soil and its role in America's history... I'm your guy. Number two. And I thought, well, that's perfect for strange science. And then his wife texted me last <laughs> night and was like, I just got my lesson on night soil and you are in for a wild ride. So I've, I'm super excited about this. Wow. Yeah. So I was just kind of kidding um, when I originally reached out. Uh, but I do know a lot about night soil, strangely enough, oddly enough. Um, and the crazy thing about it, it well, first, let's talk about what it is. Right. So back in the 1800s and before that, but really, we're going to target like the mid 1800s um, as cities were growing up along the east coast of the united states we didn't really have any sort of plumbing right and so what people did was they pooped in holes and think about it like when you go to a national park or a state park and you know you go to one of those drop toilets same thing you poop in a hole eventually that hole fills up and the reason it's called night soil is that the people who would come through to empty out all of the stuff that ended up in that hole came in the middle of the night so as to not offend the general feeling of civilized folk and they would take this stuff and they would lay it out on fields and uh the thought was that it would you know work through and become um 
become fertilizer down the road, but also that you know the that that was probably the best way that they had at that point to to get rid of it. They didn't really understand the relationship of the poop and a lot of the diseases that were cropping up. So what's amazing about night soil is that nobody's ever heard of it, but it has heavily impacted the course of American history. So let me explain. We have had three presidents probably die because of night soil. And nobody knows this. But uh, the reason for this is the field where they would spread all this stuff out, all this poop out, and let it sit, sat right next to, uh, not right next to, it was a couple blocks away from the spring where the White House got its water. Wow. And if it rained or whatever in just the wrong way, then the runoff from that field would end up in the White House water supply. So there was a guy named William Henry Harrison. Most people know him for two reasons. One, he was America's oldest president. Two, he had the shortest length of office, shortest tenure in office, just about a month. And everybody attributes it to the fact that he had given the speech, the longest inaugural speech, inaugural address in American history, more than 8,000, almost 8,500 words, if I remember right. And so he went on and on and on for like three and a half hours. Meanwhile, it was a cold, rainy day back then. The inauguration was held in March. Cold, rainy day in D.C. Awful, awful conditions. And legend goes that he refused the umbrella because he did not want to appear frail before this audience because he was self-conscious about the fact that he was the oldest guy to have ever been elected to the office. And then he caught pneumonia and he died. Right. So that's the story. But now looking back... The belief is that he actually had typhoid fever and that the pneumonia was secondary to the typhoid fever and that he caught the typhoid fever from the White House water supply. So that's one down. Uh, so after William Henry Harrison, of course, John Tyler comes in, ineffective president, whatever. Uh, James K. Polk, the great expansionist, comes in and he serves one term. And shortly after his first term is done, like five weeks after it's done, boom, he's dead. The official cause of death was cholera. Now, the thing is, just before he left office, he had also had typhoid fever. It is also believed that the typhoid fever had been caused by this tainted water supply. And so you have the second president, you know, perhaps it was the cholera that killed him, but he was already in a weakened state when he got that cholera. And so therefore, more likely, in the words of 2020, the proximate cause of his death would be the poop in the well. So that's two down. That's two down. So now we got to go a little bit further into the future, not too far, actually, the next president, next man up, Zachary Taylor. Now, the legend is that on the 4th of July, he's having a grand old time. He's watching all the festivities. He himself, of course, a general in the Mexican-American War, and uh, as he's watching the festivities, eating a bowl of cherry and cream, sour cherries and cream, and the, the legend is that the cherries had gone bad, and that he had ate it, and it upset his stomach, and like five days later, he's dead. Well... Again, it seems as though he had typhoid fever that was contracted via this bad water supply. Go a little bit further into the future, there's this kid named Willie who lives in the White House. His dad's Abraham, and Willie Lincoln dies in 1862, also of typhoid fever. His brother, Tad, had also caught the typhoid fever but survived. And so Willie dies, and that changes the course of the Lincoln presidency because Abraham Lincoln, already kind of a depressed guy, had already lost one son pulls back from his family and focuses a thousand percent on the civil war effort because he is so distraught and so devastated by the son of his uh, by the death of his son that conceivably the death of his son because of this night soil 
allowed him to focus enough to win the Civil War. I mean, that's a, that's a stretch right there, but there wow. you go. <laughs> Poop in America. That's incredible. That is a great story. That did not disappoint at all. <laughs> Chris, you know the city that had the first workable sewer system? Oh, that is a good question. And I think I do know it, but I don't know. I'm trying to recall right now. I, my Ma- guess would be first major city. Philadelphia. The, the, uh, I, I think it's Philadelphia. The water works right off the Schuylkill River uh, back behind the art museum, which still sit today. The, um, the Fairmount Waterworks. I well, think it's Philly. I will say that my extensive night's oil research said that Chicago was, in fact, the first major American city to implement a sewer system. That, that New York would have been number two. <laughs> oh, oh. But I don't, know about, you, I don't know about Philly. Glad you worked so hard to set that one up. I would totally subscribe to your podcast on Night Soil. Uh, well, you know, that's it. I, I don't know. Because you could elaborate. Else. You could elaborate on all those stories. I mean, yeah, I think there's something I, in there. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I really want to be a poop expert. Well, you don't have to be a poop expert. Just know where it was. You know, know where... Uh... <laughs> Just know where they, they put Just, it. They kept it. They kept it out. In, in you the were a tour guide for a number of years. I'm assuming that you engaged in some night soil from time to time through your treks. Listen, um, I'm not asking you to tell, to, to tell <laughs> She's us. Just making the assumption. I was just making the assumption. <laughs> I can tell you. I, I don't think. I mean, it'll probably it'll, it'll probably have to be dumped. No pun intended. But. Um, yeah, I, there have been at least two occasions where I've had to poop in situations that were not poop-worthy. One, actually, both situation. times on mountains, now that I think both about it. Both times on mountains. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. That's one of the rules of mountains. You know, you've got to pack in what you what you, what you you brought, and you got to pack well, out. That, that, I mean, what that, you... That, that, yeah. that I didn't pack out. That, yeah. that was Leave it cleaner than you found Listen, it. Listen, I don't climb mountains, so I don't know if, the rules. Just for that reason. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was yeah. a dark, dark night about uh, 800 feet from the summit of Kilimanjaro, and um, and something very bad happened. Oh, Sounds like a bad song. <laughs> Chris and Carlo, uh, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Later, guys. Uh, Chris and Carlo, KFI's, and I guess you know all what? of iHeartMedia's Night Soil expert. He's also read a book on every president. P.S. I could see that. Yeah. Um. We should have him on regularly, like Chris's Corner, where he just, like, dives into something completely I didn't know there was a Willie Lincoln. I didn't know about that either. I also didn't know about— I'd heard of Tad. I'd heard of Tad. I also didn't know about the sour cherries and the cream and the Fourth of July hijinks. Can I tell you more about Queen Elizabeth and her night soils? Can you? Gary and Shannon will continue with Strange Signs. That's how we can— KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Nearly 20 million TV viewers tuned in to see that fight last night. 20 million? 20 million. Nielsen says that was the biggest audience ever for a debate of Democratic candidates for president. And it's their ninth debate. That's and it was, the thing. It was so good. We I stuck with it the whole time. Uh, the next one is going to be Tuesday night coming up just a few days away. So And they're going to be in South Carolina. Federal judge sentenced Roger Stone to three years, four months in prison this morning. The president said he believes his opinion is that Roger Stone would be exonerated. And the the crew on the Diamond Princess cruise ship have been blamed for the quarantine. Even though it wasn't their call, 
There were some suggestions that maybe the crew screwed everything up in the way that they handled the quarantine, even though it was imposed upon them by the Japanese government. But 3,700 passengers on board that Diamond Princess cruise ship, 634 of them have now tested positive. At least 634 because they don't even have all the testing in yet. Uh, We're doing strange science talking about night soil. And it all started because the guy we were doing the stories in 46 years, he's pooped inside 14 times, <laughs> 45 times, 45 years outside of Fundo Shiso. What did I say? Inside. Well, yeah. 14 times inside. Oh, 45,000 oh, or 15,000 times outside. Who counts again? Who counts? I think it's an estimate. I don't think he's like uh. 14,992. Oh, make that 93. Well, tell me more night soil stories. So here's the funny thing. John Harrington, Sir John Harrington, was the first person to invent a flushing toilet. What's his name again? Sir John Harrington. That's why we call it the... I didn't know that. I didn't either. You know who John Harrington was? Queen Elizabeth I's godson. Okay. So she technically was the first person to own a flushing toilet. That's nice. Now, the thing is, it probably didn't. It's not like it <laughs> flushed into a sewer ima- system. I was just imagining having to like go in a field at night, and then one day your your yeah, grandson I, is like, hey, I look, hey at grandma. What I, look what I got over here. Yeah, no, no, I think it was more. I don't think she ever went into the field. Uh, I think she was like, there were people no. that would hold her up. Above the bucket or the trough or oh. the receptacle or the I feel like that's worse. Bin. Don't you think it's a luxury to do your business on your own? Nowadays, yes. But 150, 200 years ago, I don't know. Maybe you wanted company. I don't we've think changed. so. We've changed. I mean, we've... We have evolved. Um, the, the night soil job was not exactly a wonderful career because, for one thing, you're working in the middle of the night. For a second, you're literally hauling poop around. But you would have a team of four. Tell me which one you would be. You're a team of four. You got a a whole man, a rope man, and two tub men. Definitely not the whole man. The whole man was the one who would crawl into the pool to scoop the waste into a bucket or a basket of some kind. The rope man, clearly the guy pulls the rope up with the bucket in it, and then the tub men bring the buckets to the cart, splash it all in, and then they drive it away. Um, yeah. There was a... I would love to get the t-shirt for this, although I don't think they sell them anymore. There used to be a group of night soil men in New York called the Manhattan Odorless Excavating Company. Did you know about the toilet at Greg's Auto Repair in Florence, New Jersey? No. That bathroom's toilet and sink were once Adolf Hitler's toilet and sink. They were the toilet and sink on his private yacht. And they took it out and installed it in their auto body. I just went down this hole. It's called the top 10 famous toilets. So you would be the whole man. And there are a lot of great toilet stories out there. Oh, here's one about NASA's space toilet. Maybe Tuesday. Maybe we could do a... Tuesday. Why not tomorrow? Toilet Tuesday. Oh, Toilet Tuesday. You like the alliteration. Yeah. John and Ken will clean everything up when they get in here next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody.
blessings. If I got a bucket oh, with a trash bag in it, I'm following Gary and Shannon around with it. With <laughs> Honestly, I'm at the end. Home, where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender.